You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today. Well, welcome Northland family and friends to Extra Takes. I am your host, Pastor Josh Laxton. So hope you're doing well today. But I, I have a new friendly face. Well, I mean, I say new to the podcast. He's not new to Northland, but he is our director of missions, Matt or Matthew or Mateo Shiles. Is Mateo, is that, would that be Spanish? Yeah, Mateo, that's good. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah, my awesome. 11th grade Spanish teacher would, uh, would be proud. Yes. <laughs> you know, 11th, is so funny about 11th grade Spanish. Like I took Spanish in high school, okay. but because I was taking Spanish in a redneck high school, for some reason we watched The Lion King in French. Now, um. The thing about it, I was taking Spanish. But we lo- we watched The Lion King in French. You got your cross-cultural. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. why I struggled in college and seminary and still struggle with English today because I'm, I'm just really, really, really confused. So, But, hey, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Yes, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Yes. Awesome. And uh, what what's so cool about Matt is we were meeting last week and he's like, man, I have all of these questions that I would love to ask you in extra takes. And I'm like, well, bro, let, let's let's have it. And so so that's why you're here, man. And I love these questions. And so I'm just actually going to turn it over to you. Great. And I'm going to let you now become the co-host. So Great. here you go. Thanks so much. Um, so glad to be here. Um, as a reminder, we are in our series Made for Mission. Uh, this was September 3rd and 4th, and we were in Exodus 19, right? Yep. So let's start with the main point. Because um, I think it's it's helpful for us to remember. I love this podcast because halfway through the week we get to remember. Wait, what was the sermon about? And we get to continue to uh, um, engage with it. Love it. Um, so the main point was God's missional people are magnetized people. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what I really wanted, and uh, it, and it was kind of too late. But I wanted these huge magnets <laughs> somehow on stage because I wanted to really yeah. share this imagery that when you do have mm. two opposing magnets, they attract. Mm. But when you have two of the same magnets, they repel. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think it's a tangible example that well, I think everybody is used to if they've ever played with magnets of, yeah, opposites attract. Same repels. And so, but, but when you think about God's missional people, they truly are magnetized people. And in, in the mission world, they talk about this magnetization as mm. the centripetal force, that it's this coming in. Whereas the centrifugal force, which we'll see in a few weeks when we look at really Matthew 28, where mm-hmm. you see it even more so prominent there. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, you see it some in the, in the Old Testament where Jonah goes out, but, but really it's going to be Jesus sending out. And that's the centrifugal, that's the going out, but the centripetal is the magnetization of coming in. Awesome. So we, we had three ways. Uh, we are magnetized people. So we are magnetized by who we are. This is the treasure, treasured possession. We are magnetized by what we do. This is the kingdom of priests. And then we are magnetized by how we live. That's a holy nation. Uh, so let's start with really this sermon series. There's a uniqueness about it. Uh, for you, these ideas you have thought deeply about for years um, and have really become foundational for your theology. 
Um, because of that, it's easy to see your, your conviction, easy to see your passion come through, which really is so much fun. Um, uh, are, are you sure? Are you serious? Like so much fun? Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like drinking from a water hose sometimes <laughs> or a fire hydrant. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, but that's fun. Yeah. When you start a new job, exactly. Yeah. Um, but this time my question is going through it, uh, with Northland, uh, these, these, these passages that you know so well, uh, what are you learning about the mission of God that is new or fresh for you? Um, you know, for me, like particularly even this week, um, as I was as I was like refreshing myself on a lot of the books that I have read that I've critiqued over the years, it it, it really hit me in in a more intense way than it ever has. Particularly like in Exodus nineteen, mm-hmm. that that once again this covenant that God was entering into with Israel, mm-hmm. it wasn't conditional in the sense of salvation. God had already saved them. It was really a conditional covenant on the effectiveness of their mission of why he had saved them. So in my, you know, in my dissertation years ago and, and, and kind of the statement that I've really talked about is this, is that when God's people are faithfully present to him, worshiping him in all spheres of life, they are most missionally effective in the world. And, and this past week, as I was reading again, refreshing all of these missional books that I have, have read over the years, it, it, it was a, it was a more intense reminder particularly of Exodus 19 and which again even for the church is that when we are faithfully present to the Lord to the Lord worshiping him we are most missionally effective in the world and that was the conditional covenant that God was entering into with Israel so so that that was something again that I would say all right that that hit me in a in a in a fresher more intense way I love it it's it's a reminder of uh of how how deep the scripture is it's a reminder how, of how fresh it can be, and uh, and this is not new for you. So, but I knew that there was something right. This is a new time yeah. in your life. This is a new time of our church. So I knew that there had to be something. And else. and just just go ahead and plug this coming weekend. I've never preached on this before in God's mission, but it is the idea that God is in search of a king to lead. His missional people, and, and so because David plays a prominent role in God's mission, but I've never unpacked it the way I will. I will unpack it this coming weekend. So I'm actually looking forward to it. So so it's actually very fresh. It will be very very fresh. Not to say nothing that I've I've said over the last couple of weeks weren't wasn't fresh, yeah. but but yeah, this one hot off the press, developed it, never preached on it other than Second Samuel seven, where where God enters into a covenant with David. I've done that before, but but not in the way that I'm doing this coming weekend. So okay. stay tuned. Okay, you heard it here first. Great. Um, so before and after services, we know that that you're in the foyer. Uh, we know that you have been uh, engaging with the congregation. So whether it's uh, in the service uh, during the weekend or during the week, what are some questions or feedbacks? Maybe maybe one. One key question that you've heard of of ways ways people are processing uh, this week or this series that you can share. Yeah, I'm, a couple of them kind of come to my mind. I mean, I am hearing from from quite a few people keep preaching the word, and I think it just is a reminder this in, in this cultural you know in this cultural landscape that we live in. Like people want to know what the, what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. Like and 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 it's not that other. Churches aren't preaching the word or other pastors aren't. But I do feel like there is, 
um, a, a minority out there who's like, man, I'm just going to give it to you straight. Here it is. Mm-hmm. And especially the topic of holiness. Like we, we don't like to, in some sense, I don't, I don't know why we don't want to touch that with the 10 foot pole, but we have so watered down what it means the means to be the church. We have so watered down even the gospel. Hey, God just, he loves you. He just wants to save you as opposed to saying, yeah, he wants to save you for himself. Yeah. Like not, not just so that you can be saved, right. but that you can be saved unto him mm-hmm. for his purposes. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, so I've heard that. And I've, over the last few weeks, I've heard from teenagers. Like teenagers, I'm talking about 13, 14, 15 year olds. Like Pastor Josh, like man, you you you've helped change my perspective. Mm-hmm. Now I have had a couple of teenagers, one of mine included, that have that that have told me that I've used cancel culture wrong. Uh, so I'm like, well, please tell me Gen Z, you, you know, how I can learn your lingo better. So I've had some good conversations around that. Some helpful correction, okay, <laughs> helpful good, yeah. correction, yeah. but but. You know, for them to even try to unpack their their idea of cancel, I'm like, all right, now, come on, you are canceling in other ways than just social media, and mm. so so I've been able, so it's so it's been a little iron sharpening iron there, um, and then I had one person ask me about particularly this weekend. The question was, has the church replaced Israel? Okay, has the church replaced Israel? And so I think that's a. I mean, obviously, it's a it's a fair question. It's a deep question. And some of you listening to this podcast, you, you know, who maybe you've been around the block or two in the church, has the church replaced Israel? And here's the answer. Drumroll, please. All right, here's the answer. Uh, no, the church has not replaced Israel. And, and here's why. So Jesus, he's the better Adam, and he's the better Israel. Jesus did not come to replace Israel, but to redeem, reform, and reimagine Israel given her disobedience. So I'm going to read from one of the scholars that I've been reading who's in this missional conversation. But here's what he he says. Jesus is not founding a brand new community. Rather, Israel itself is being purified and reconstituted. Uh, one observes Jesus did not intend to found a church because there was because there already was one, namely the people of Israel itself. Jesus' intention was therefore to reform Israel, not to found a different community altogether. Now, what you have, and, and, and this is what's so interesting about the calling of the 12 disciples. So when Jesus gathers the 12 disciples, or really it's the 11, and then they'll pick, they'll pick Math, uh, Matthias later on. Uh, but when he gathers the 11 disciples and he gives them the great commission, this is after his resurrection, what scholars would refer is he's gathering Israel to himself, sending them out now. It's that mm. centrifugal. Mm. Now I'm the, I'm the better Israel. I've done what Israel failed to do, which was to be obedient right. to the Father, to right. Yahweh in all things. I've done it. Now I've gathered Israel together and now I'm sending you out to the nations. And so what the church is today mm. is the continuation, which is why Peter is going to give that language, that Exodus language. Mm. So we are the continuation, mm. which once again, when you look in Romans, where Paul talks about Israel, like Israel, ethnic Israel has to be grafted in. Well, well they have to be grafted into the redeemed people, mm. the redeemed Israel. Mm. And so, so in some sense, the church has not replaced Israel. It is now the continuation of the reformed Israel, mm. the renewed Israel, the redeemed Israel made possible. Possible by Jesus's death and resurrection, He has instituted a better covenant. Mm. That is so interesting. So, so the book title and the author is "A Light to the Nations: 
Michael Goheen. So the first, uh, you know, in the first podcast, I referenced this book. This was, you know, a foundational book to this idea of really the the missional element of the people of God. Hmm. All right, so that really leads into our next question. Um, so during the sermon, I was I was listening for a big word um, that we could unpack today. A couple weeks ago, for example, that big word that I heard was shalom. Mm. Right, shalom. There is uh, there's so much to that idea, but for me this week, and you already mentioned it, is is holy, is mm. holiness. Yeah. Um, so let's. There's so much there in that that third point that we talked about. Yeah. Uh, we are magnetized by how we live to be a holy nation. And um, so I'd love to unpack. So it's not just Israel, but it's the church now. Yeah. Um, maybe we can read the First Peter passage as, as well. Yeah. Um, but let's just – let's talk about that a little bit more and, and unpack that. Yeah, so – I mean, holiness is so important for God's people, both Old Testament and New Testament. And once again, it simply means set apart, separate, distinct. I think I want to stress this because I I, I did try to (laughs) communicate it uh, this past weekend, but holiness does not mean perfection. Mm. Holiness does not mean perfection. It means simply set apart, distinct, separate. And the reason why it doesn't mean perfection is because God knew Israel could not be perfect, but he knew that they could be distinct and separate and set apart. And the reason why he knew that they could not be perfect is that he instituted, and and again, this would be found in Exodus and Leviticus, it's the idea of the temple system or the tabernacle system and the sacrificial system. So he put this in place knowing that they could not be perfect, but they could be distinct. So that was part of their ceremonial laws to maintain, to to remind themselves of their imperfection, but their distinctiveness as the people of God. So so that even applies to the church. Like you're not like positionally. Now here, this is why I love extra takes. Positionally. What I mean by positionally, how God looks at our position. Again, who we are. Mm-hmm. That's why identity is so, so mm-hmm. important. So Israel, treasured possession. Why? Because God saved them. Mm-hmm. He redeemed them. Mm-hmm. So us positionally, because Jesus ransomed us. He redeemed us, bought us with his own blood, right? So we are his treasured possession. So positionally, we are perfect. Why? Because we are in Jesus. So every time God looks at you, Matt, and looks at me, he sees perfection. Why? Because he sees Jesus in us. And that's the reason why Paul is constantly going to say, your identity must be in Jesus. Jesus must be your identity. And so so positionally, we are Perfect. Why? Because we are in Jesus. Now, but but functionally, we are being made perfect. So that's where sanctification comes in. It's the process of becoming more and more like Jesus. And so, so holiness is not about having achieved perfection. Holiness is this distinction as God is perfecting you in Jesus through the work of the Spirit. And so you're learning what it means to actually be human after the image and likeness of Jesus. And therefore, this is why holiness is so important. Even though holiness does not mean perfection, it means distinction. That distinction will determine how missionally effective we are in the world. Which is why holiness is mm. so, so mm. important for the church. Mm. Yeah, it it reminds me... Um, I'm so glad you brought that up. Holiness does not equal perfection. Um, one of the the marks of the church, we say, 
the big C church is it's holy. Yeah. And when we think about that, we can be confused if we are tempted to say, well, how can the church be holy because the church is made up of imperfect people, yeah. right? But it's because we are viewing holiness incorrectly. Incorrectly, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Holiness never meant perfection. It, it meant distinction. Hmm. You're set apart. Hmm. I mean, ju- just think about <laughs> in, in, our, in our home, the Laxton home. Uh, we, we have, uh, fine china from the Dollar Tree store. <laughs> and then we have, uh, paper plates from like Walmart. So, uh, but, <laughs> but there, there is this, we actually, the, for the very first time, this is crazy. For the very first time, which Northlanders, it would show you that we are serious about planting roots here. We have taken out our china. Our fine china that Joni and I received when we got married over yes. 19 years ago. We have taken it out and we have placed it in a china cabinet. It is special. It is treasured. It is distinct. So, but it is not perfect. Uh, so, oh, that's funny. Uh, we we're in the process of moving. So just just today, this morning, Kaylee said we are putting our regular china. Away. <laughs> You're putting right. it away. We, we, we are using our paper plates for the rest. So we are setting it apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that, that, is, that is like so. And, and then, but when, but, but when you use the China, it, it, it's for the people that you bring over. So it is, it is going to be for this community. Mm-hmm. So that's why God's fine China, which is his people, are supposed to be for yeah. the world. Yeah. And, and that's why I love the first Peter uh, passage. It connects so well to Exodus 19. So First Peter 2, 9 and 10, but you are a chosen people, a ro- royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Yeah. And and if you keep reading that, what you'll see in verse 12, you'll see Peter write, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, distinct, Mm -hmm. so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see Mm -hmm. your good deeds, distinction, and do what? Mm -hmm. Glorify God on the day of visitation. You know, so even in the mm. context of language that Peter mm. uses that it, that it, that is attached to Exodus 19, he, he actually unpacks it of why our conduct, why our holiness is so important so that as you live among the Gentiles as exiles, they may mm. see your distinction, they may see your holiness, and even though they might accuse mm. you of doing evil because what mm. you're doing is not what they would do, Right. They might glorify God on the day of visitation, which then goes into the, you know, and this is probably, I've never articulated it like I did this past weekend, but I think it's profound. Not, 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 not because I did it, but because the Spirit of God gave it to me. All right. So I want to give credit where credit is due. But holiness exposes the holes in our humanity and invites people into the wholeness of God. Amen. Like that. Amen. So so holiness is dual sided. Holiness exposes which when you read Ephesians 5 3 through 14, Paul's going to actually unpack the fact that how we live exposes the deeds of the darkness. Mm. 
And so why? Because we live as children of the light. Mm. So as we are holy, as, as we live into this new identity and function as God's people, his distinct people, mm. what we do is we expose the deeds of darkness mm. from the world. And so it exposes the holes of, of their humanity. Mm. And then at the same time, why, why does it invite people into the wholeness of God? Mm. Because as people, we're, we're positionally perfect. Mm. but functionally imperfect and so now we are decl- why are we why are we so happy about being God's distinct people because we've been saved by grace amen not 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 by what we've done but because what we've done we've deserved death we've deserved wrath we've deserved hell but Jesus mm. Saved us not because of what we have done, but mm. because of his his extravagant love, mm. and and so now because of what he's doing in us of creating us into this new humanity, being whole, then then now we get to say, hey, where we have exposed your holes, I'm gonna we're gonna invite you into the wholeness of God because that's the only reason why we are who we are is because of who God is. And so that's why you know, this idea of judgment and grace of holiness is so important. Amen. And, and as you were talking, I, I was thinking having a, a right view of holiness allows us to push back against legalism, right? This idea of of we have to be perfect, right? Yeah. And I think we can we can drift into the temptation of legalism or go the opposite side if we have a wrong view of holiness. But in this way, right, this idea of, um, of course we are imperfect, but we are meant to be set yeah. apart. And I think it just gives so much um, motivation, energy, and passion for us to be set apart, although we realize that doesn't equal perfection. Oh, absolutely. And so, yeah, you, you bring up legalism, but then the the opposite of legalism is antinomianism, and so I know that's a big word. But this is extra takes. We can go a little bit deeper, <laughs> okay, right? Yes. But antinomianism means no law. Now, mm. here's what's so fascinating about this idea of no law, because people would say, "Oh, well, you, you God loves you. He He demonstrated His love," and they'll quote Romans five that while you were still sinners, that Jesus died for you, mm. and now there's no law. You just live into the love of. Jesus. Well, I, I want us to think about this because, again, holiness holds in tension both legalism and antinomianism. That's why it's judgment and grace. All right. Mm-hmm. And so, so Jesus fulfilled what Israel failed to do. Now, the law pointed to their need, Israel's need for a new heart. So God set up this whole entire law system to actually show that they had a bad heart. Now, Mm. if you want to know where you can find that, find that in Galatians chapter 3. Paul will talk about how the law was a tutor that pointed people Mm. to their need Mm. for a new heart, which is the reason why in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, God's going to prophesy that in this new covenant, he's going to give a new heart. Now, that's exactly what Jesus does through his death and resurrection. He gives you a new heart. Now, what Paul's going to write on in Galatians 3, Galatians 6, and Romans 10, that Paul talks about now, not us living under the Torah uh, of Moses, but actually the, the Torah or the law of Christ. 
Now, now think about it. So, so Jesus in his ministry, he reimagined the moral, the civil, and even the ceremonial laws. Because that's the reason why Paul's going to say, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. So you no longer have to go out and get some doves or some bulls and some goats and sack. No, Jesus has done that once for all. Now you, as a child of the king, because of what Jesus has done and given you a new heart, you can offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord. And so he has reimagined this. And so now we, we're not antinomian, nomians where there's no law. No, there's the law of Christ, which is actually mm. far superior to the law of Moses. Because mm. that's why Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he's going to say, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, don't even look lustfully. Right. At, and so, so why is he doing it? He is actually now going, this is what it means to be a new human. Mm. This is what it means actually to be human mm. after the image and likeness of God, because mm. I am God. And so, so think about it this way. All right. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to wrap this, this thought up this way. So you remember in, in, in the very first message that I preached of how we function as human beings, we relate, we create, and we operate. Those are the three big functions mm-hmm. of human beings. But then there are three spheres that we occupy that actually every sphere of life would fit under one of these big three spheres. And that is spiritual, social, and cultural. And so spiritual is how we relate to God. Social is how we relate to one another. And cultural is how we relate to the world and what we do in the world and how we do it. And now because of the good news of King Jesus Mm -hmm. and because he has now set us apart and made us holy, then what we look at is how we relate, create, and operate in the spiritual, social, and cultural realm. And we make sure that we're living a distinct life that would reflect God's glory Mm -hmm. in all spheres and in all functions of life. So it's important for us to really get this because this is, um, this is where we're going as a church, right? This is our direction. And, um, and, and I think we should continue to wrestle with this idea of holiness because this doesn't, this doesn't go away, right? We don't go to the next week and then we're on to something else like holiness. This is a, this is a big foundational idea that we should continue to think about, wrestle with, um, consider how, um, just just last night, Kaylee and I, my wife and I were talking about how does that set us apart, yeah. right? How do our actions set us apart from yeah. our friends? And I yeah. think it's something that we continue to ask ourselves individually, but it's also something we ask ourselves as a church. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it has it has profound implications to how the church would even view membership in the church. Because, you know, there's this big, huge discussion out there. Should the church have membership, you know? And then if you use the word covenant membership, that, that scares a lot of people because it can be very cultish. And, but, but here's, here, here's the thing. Like, I think we have watered down what it means to be part of the church. And so one of the things that we're actually working on behind the scenes here at Northland is levels of engagement. And so there, there's an exploring. You maybe you're exploring Christianity, which we want people to explore Christianity here, which is why I even said that when I talk about holiness or when I talk about what the Bible teaches, listen, if you're if you're far from Jesus, it actually doesn't apply to you. Like we want you to hear what it means to be a Christian. We want to invite you to explore in this safe way because we're all imperfect. Why? Because we have we have been saved by the blood of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But but here's the thing, like what we're talking about in terms of how you ought to relate to your spouse according to the scripture doesn't apply to you. Why? You're not under Jesus. 
so we want we want you to explore, or maybe you've just moved to the area and you're looking for a church to uh, to call home, and so maybe you're exploring Northland. So so that's a level. The, another level would be attending, and I think that's probably where a lot of people are today in in the Western culture when it comes to church is that we're we're just attending and so we'll we'll come once or twice a month and then there, there there's a portion that will partner and so they'll get involved they'll be involved in a small group and maybe they'll they'll involve themselves in serving in some capacity but but God has called us deeper as the people mm. of God like mm. if you read the Old Testament and the New Testament it meant something to be part of the people of God it wasn't just that I went to a small group and it wasn't mm. just because I, I served in the nursery or you know I served in the student ministry or I was an usher or greeter. No, there, there was a deeper meaning behind this idea of being part of the people of God. There's this household language. There's this family mm-hmm. language. And I want to make sure that we we lean into that. And mm-hmm. holiness is all about that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so that that's why it's so profound for, the, for us as a church living in the 21st century of what does it mean to be the people of God in the 21st century here in Longwood, Florida? That's so good. And uh, you're kind of answering my questions before uh, we get to it, but, but we'll do one final question and then we'll, uh, uh, I'll let you end with some resources if you have any additional resources and let you close it out. So uh, the final question is in six months. Um, so think forward to six months time, even a year. What do you hope that we remember about this message, you know, us as a body, um, about this message or this passage um, that, will, that will help us um, in the future, yeah, I, I would say this because this is this is kind of a running theme that we've seen from from Genesis one, Genesis twelve, and now this fleshing out of what's God what God is doing among His people in in Exodus nineteen, who we are, our identity, uh, what we do, our function, mm-hmm. and then how we do it. And, and so we, we saw that with Adam. Who are you? You're an image bearer. What do you do? You relate, you create, you operate. How do you do it? You live under the lordship of uh, of God. So I put the tree here just to remind you that I'm lord of the garden, not you. And so I rule the garden, not you. Uh, we, we see it with Abraham. Hey, you got to abandon the land of me mm. and, and in order to become part of who I'm creating. And then with Exodus, we see it clearly once again. We are, we are magnetized by who we are. So that's our identity. We're a treasured possession mm. by what we do, kingdom of priest, mm. and by how we live, a holy nation. And how, how are they going to be holy? By hearing the commands of God. And by living under his command, so it, it, mm. under his authority, and, and again, you, you see that in the scriptures. Now, um, what, what, what we'll see this coming weekend, and again, once again, a, a plug: uh, what God is actually going to promise David is, is pretty profound, and not only a king, but what this king that will come from the line of David, what he will actually build, mm. because David actually wanted to build the temple. God told him he couldn't, but his son could. But the king that would come from the line of David, he actually is building God's temple. So, uh, so, so, so it's fascinating there. But that, so, but to go back to your original question, I want people to remember who we are, what we do, and how we do it. Great. Uh, resources. So what are some resources? We'll put these in the, the show notes at the end and. We'll let you close it out. Yeah. So this past week, I definitely was uh, listening to a lecture given by a lecture. I know it sounds a little boring. Our lecture uh, given by Christopher Wright, who wrote The Mission of God, big old thick book. Um, And 
he just goes through a lot of good things again, explaining once again what I had what I had preached on this past weekend, but a couple other books that I would say that are that are important. I'm reading right now the story that chooses us is called The Tapestry of a Missional Vision. Mm. And so it's by George Hunsberger. And then I pulled this one off my shelf today as I plan for David, King David, this coming week, but Mission in the Old Testament. Because again, one of the questions that I always love asking people when it comes to teaching mission is, so where would you say the mission of God is located? And many people would say, well, Matthew 28, you're wrong. And so, but Walter Kaiser, you know, he wrote, it's a very small little book called Mission in the Old Testament, Israel as a Light to the Nations. And so I pulled it off just to kind of refresh on David mm. once again. And so that would be another good resource to check out. Wonderful. So. It's been great to be here today. Well, thanks. Matt, thanks so much for your questions. I've so enjoyed it to kind of dive a little bit deeper as, as you have, man, have some really great mm-hmm. questions that allows us to to dig deep. And so Northland family, friends, we love you. So grateful to God for you. Just remember that we are the light and the lights of the world. Why? Because we are hidden. Our identity is hidden in the ultimate light of the world, which is King Jesus. We love you. Blessings. Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.